Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Guilty Greenie. We are your imperfect hosts. I'm Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris. And Sarah, this is a what are we calling it? Special episode? Bonus episode? It is a bonus episode for a special day. It is. I think a bonus episode. Go the bonus. All right. Well, we're doing bonus for a special day. We've decided to tackle Valentine's Day because, well, we're just hopeless romantics. <laughs> well, I am. One, one half of my partnership is romantic. The other one has got that bone completely missing. Um, but are you, are quite- you a romantic? Oh, actually, probably I'm not, to be fair. I'm pretty crap as well. (laughs) We are doing this episode in between seasons. Do stay tuned because we've got season two already in production and follow us on social media so that you can see when it's going to drop. And then just enjoy this lovely bonus episode on Valentine's Day. It's one of the questions we get asked the most, which is the holidays, like how to be more sustainable. Can you be more sustainable at Christmas, Valentine's Day, Halloween, whatever it is? Yeah. Typically when there's gift giving involved, I think you worry that you're going to not buy something nice for someone. You feel that obligation to spend money to do it. Um, And Valentine's in particular, there's a couple of areas that you do normally see people give gifts, and that's the chocolates, the jewellery, the cards, and the flowers, which I think we're going to tackle today. But what's your experience of Valentine's Day? Because I have to tell you, it's a very much an American holiday. No, it's actually celebrated pretty globally. Well, it is now, but it didn't used to be in New Zealand. Like Mm. Valentine's Day was not a thing. Halloween was not a thing. But since, you know, the kids have realized they can get free candy on Halloween, so everybody's got their hands up for that. And I think possibly the same's happened with Valentine's Day. It's kind of just become this commercial holiday that we've we've adopted. 
Yeah. It didn't start off that way. I'm not going to go into the history of Valentine's Day because it goes back way, way back. Um, well, it's St. Valentine's, isn't it? Is it? Suppo- oh, God, Sarah, I just said I wasn't oh, going to go into this. Oh, sorry, stop. This is not a history podcast, but I, I assumed it was St. Valentine's. It did start uh, during the Roman rule, and it's there is a bit of debate over which Valentine it was. There was two possible Valentine, uh, so who, who actually and why, and over the years it changed wow. and... Well, you knew so much more than I thought you were going to know then. That was quite impressive. So well done. Listen, it's um, oh, the episode hasn't come out yet. So this reference, I don't know if it will make sense. But I will say that my email inbox is a lot more pleasant than the first episode of season two, which is about condoms. So I'm getting much <laughs> more pleasant emails this time. <laughs> it is celebrated around the world. To what extent it varies in different countries, put importance on different aspects of it. There was 28 countries that were surveyed for one yeah one survey. They were surveyed for one survey, and um, how they work. Yeah, 55 percent of adults who had a partner said they were likely to do something special for the occasion. Now, 68 percent of those individuals were 35 and under. So, if you're under 35, you are more likely to do something. I wonder though if that is because it's quite a new phenomenon, and the younger people have taken it on board. I don't know. And outside of America, because you guys, it's been there forever for you. It's not really a thing over here either in the UK in the same Mm -hmm. way. Like you might have Valentine's Day, but it's not like so massive. Oh, yeah. I think the way I look at it, you're right. It is very big here. It's been big since I can remember. But the way I look at it is you just get really tired of your partner. And so it just becomes another day and you're just like, hey, <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, I think you yeah. know, I'll, I'll say it this way. I think you become comfortable in your love and don't need to externally show that. Yes, that's true. I have no desire to demonstrate it at all. Past couple of years, we haven't done anything. Bobby used to get me flowers. Doesn't really do that anymore. Uh, which is fine. Um, there's no judgment there. Now I think <laughs> now if we do anything, we'll make pasta from scratch and we'll, we'll just kind of have a nice dinner. Oh, that sounds delightful. I might come and crash your Valentine's. It sounds more exciting than mine. I don't think we've ever done anything or exchanged any gifts or even a card ever, even back in the day. Really? There you go. Yeah, but I guess no, so in it's fact, not big. Yeah. No, it, true. And any excuse not to have to think of that. But The other thing I was going to say, the only time I ever remember getting a Valentine's card was my mum. I must have been about 17 and I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. And she gave us all Valentine's cards because we were all single, all six of us. I mean, obviously the little kids were my younger brothers and sisters were younger, but it was just really (laughs) smooth. Do you want another fun survey? Oh, yeah. So another survey that asked 1,500 respondents, 59% said they were planning to give their partner a gift. And 85% of parents said they planned on giving their child something. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So it's it's actually even in, in the US, I don't know if it's that way, like you get cards from your parents or flowers when you're younger or candy. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's really sweet. No, that's not a thing. I mean, mum was obviously ahead of her time. Also, not 27% of respondents give their pets something. Okay, that's just, well, it's probably more likely in my house, but uh, still. <laughs> and I would love to know, and I'm sure you don't have this stat, but I wonder how many babies are born nine months later. Ooh. What month is that? You know, I saw something the other day, and I don't know how true this is. The month that most people are born in is September. 
So I think that's it, isn't it? Hold on. February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October October. is nine. Touch and go, touch and go. You can go either side there. They're celebrating early. Yeah. (laughs) As you're saying that, I just had an aha moment. So when I was doing this research, one of the things that came up is like the top gifts. Because Valentine's Day, you're giving cards, you're like you said, chocolate, um, gifts, jewelries up there. But one of the things that was up there was clothing. And I just kind of ignored that because I'm like, who gives someone clothing on Valentine's Day. And as you're saying, like, I wonder how many babies are born. I'm like, oh, is lingerie clothing? Yes, of course. That would be a very Valentine's-y gift, isn't it? You can tell how romantic my husband and I are that I don't even think that that's something <laughs> you would give. Is lingerie clothing? Is this gray granny pants set with the skin-colored <laughs> scaffolding at the top? Listen, when we've been together uh 17 years i think 16 17 years and at this point it's like either you get the granny panties or you get nothing so like literally i'm not <laughs> He's probably wanting the nothing yeah exactly say. like i feel <laughs> no need to spend money on <laughs> like... anyway all right well enough tmi yeah now that people know way too much about our approach Undies. yeah our approach to lingerie all right so i am going to give you some american numbers because as you said we um Celebrate it a lot and we spend a lot. So. Okay. Buckle up. In 2020, dun, 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 Americans spent around $27 billion <laughs> on Valentine's Day gifts. $27 billion. Yeah. Wowzers. That's it, keeping the economy going. It went down to $21 billion in 2021. Uh, no. And people are thinking it was because of COVID and people the were. C word. Were, they were in the house together, stuck in the house together for so long that they didn't want to celebrate. Oh, my God, that's funny. But probably the opposite as well is that people weren't able to date, so you weren't actually wooing anybody. Ooh, yes, good call. Maybe, I don't know. My beige granny panties weren't doing any wooing, that's for sure. <laughs> they were wooing, not wooing. <laughs> um <laughs> So of that $27 billion, broken down roughly, about $5.8 billion is spent on jewelry. That's some bling. Yeah, it's the largest expenditure. The second biggest expenditure was an evening out at $4.3 billion. Mm-hmm. So a lovely way to spend an evening with your loved one like yep. that. Mm-hmm. Wining and dining. And then... The others are around $2.4 billion on candy, $2.3 billion on flowers. And clothing was in there, but I don't have the number for how much people spent on clothing. I don't know if oh, that wow. also includes cards. Like, is a card a gift? No, it's not a gift. Wow. No. Strong opinions on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a letter, isn't it? Do you class a, gl- a letter as a gift? A no. letter as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> <Glitter. laughs> this is where I'm a bit torn because... If my husband does give me a card, he, like, makes it, and then he has this little, like, pet-friendly paint that he dips the dog's feet in, their paw prints, and he'll put them on the card and, like, sign their names. So, to me, that's a gift. It's so corny, and I gift, love it. Okay. So, well, I didn't know you were going to pull out of the bag this 3D handcrafted <laughs> swan popping out in some origami <laughs> situation that Bobby's made you. No. That's clearly a gift. But I think a store-bought card is, no. It's a, is it a check the box? It's a check the box. It is a check the box. But also, not to sniff at that, but the cards themselves are obviously made of paper. How many trees are killed in the making of Valentine's? You want to start there? Well, should we start with the non-gift gift? 
Karen. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> I'm incensed about it. <laughs> I just want to say, though, cards are super expensive, too. I don't understand why they're so expensive. I mean, no, I do, but I don't either. I don't, like, honestly, get a piece of eight by oh. 10 paper, fold it in half, sign it. We're good. I'm happy. Or if you're Bobby, whiz it up into something special. <laughs> or the alternate to that is you can do what my husband does and just get an A4 piece of paper for any anniversary and just write to Sarah from Gareth on it. That's it. Just in pen. Nothing in between. Not even love. I mean, that makes my social media every freaking year we have our anniversary. I, I love tell you. it. We don't even yeah. do anything for our anniversary. God, I'm, we're sounding. I don't know. Do you count that as doing something for your anniversary? A piece of paper. <laughs> Listen, I'm there was saying. a lot of labor that went into getting that piece of paper, finding a pen. <laughs> True. It counts. Mm-hmm. But well, it's one more than I was giving him, so he didn't even get an April sheet from me. That's because you're being eco-friendly, so I you're just know. saying it instead of using the paper. Exactly. And oh. if you can all remember that going forward, all my family and friends, when you don't get any gifts or cards from me, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I'm giving you my love with words, which is far more eco-friendly. Way more. Sick. Look how green you've become. I know. All right. Well, cards. Uh, card exchanging really and letters we'll say cards and letters uh, started ex- or letters as I like to call them <laughs> yeah. uh, they were started to really be exchanged during the 17th century but it wasn't until the 1840s that the first Valentine's Day cards were mass produced and they were sold by a woman called Esther Howland and she is considered the mother of American Valentine's oh. And you said you didn't know the history or you weren't going to go into the history. Well, I'm not going into like the quite historical. All right, fine. I'll That's go like back to I'll like go back it. to numbers if you want that. No problem. No. <laughs> history every time for me, thanks. <laughs> All right, so Americans do send around 145 million Valentine's Day cards, but that does not include and I'm curious if they do this in the UK. That does not include children's classroom card exchanges. Are you curious whether they do Valentine's in the classroom? No. I'm pretty sure they've never done that here. They do it. I'm trying to think. There was one time, but I think it was a Christmas card class exchange, not Valentine's. Mm. So how I remember it from growing up, and I think it's pretty similar depending on where you are, is every student had like a little pocket thing that was like taped up on the front wall or on the chalkboard or whatever and every student put a valentine's day card into every other person's so if you had 20 kids in your classroom you would buy 20 cards so you would end up with 20 cards so 145 million valentine's day cards not including classroom exchange which is mind-blowing then yeah it's a lot and I'm sure you can guess that it's going to go to deforestation. Oh, well, I mean, there's only one way that can go, <laughs> unless you keep giving the card back. <laughs> can I just take that card back that I gave you, Terry, for this year? I'm going to put it in your little envelope next year as well. You've been talking to my mother, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Does she do that? That's really funny. No, she does it with the Christmas bows, though, and like ribbon and stuff. Um, You'd be so proud of me. Can we segue a little bit yeah, to yeah. Christmas paper? Yeah, I mean, it's come and gone, so we can go back. I know, but you would have been proud of me last Christmas, the Christmas we've just had, because I did all my Christmas wrapping only in material. Right back to the very beginning of season. That's incredible. We're moving on. That's incredible. I know. We weren't Mm -hmm. doing highs and lows, so way to just like 
Breakity break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right. seeing as you're not contributing to deforestation this year, so the World Wildlife Foundation tested some Valentine's Day cards that were sold in the UK. And those cards contained a mix of rare tropical woods that mostly came from Southeast Asia. Now, this was a limited test. I'm not saying that all cards contain this, but obviously we know it's better to get post-consumer waste recycled, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, in Southeast Asia, that is an area that has one of the highest rates of deforestation, and it's very much negatively affecting indigenous species such as the cloud leopard, the orangutan, the Sumatran tiger, and also indigenous communities. So, Okay. Little note, people, only used recycled cards. Is that right? Well, so I have some tips on all of these, um, how you can, if you are going to do a card and not just an A4 piece of paper, like (laughs) Gareth does. Um, So yeah, look for cards that are made from 100% recycled materials. Avoid cards with any kind of glitter or foil or plastic, right? Same as wrapping paper because you can't recycle them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing you can do is look for a certification, including the Forest Stewardship Council, so the FSC, and that will essentially authenticate that it's sustainably harvested. Now, in the EU, there is something called the EU Timber Regulation. That is not applicable to greeting cards. So if you're accustomed to looking for that regulation, it does not apply to greeting cards. So you're better off looking for FSC. Good tips. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we've solved that problem. You know, the good thing about that is it's one of these topics that we've hit on that I don't feel guilty about because I don't do that. I don't have Valentine's cards. Out of pure Uh, laziness, I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) One less, two less things to feel guilty about. If you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favorite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to blendjet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's FERRIS, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus, as a bonus, it's a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't remember Ferris 12, go to the show notes and click the link. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Okay, so then jewellery, because yeah. we all love a little bit of bling. Mm. What's bad about the jewellery? I'm sure there's plenty, but yeah, of course there's plenty. I'm going to focus on diamonds. And when we come to flowers, I'm also going to focus on like roses. They're what you would expect with a Valentine's. Exactly. So we'll, we'll start off with history. Um, Let's do it. So have you heard of the De Beers Company? Yes, I have. The De Beers Diamonds. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in 1938, the De Beers Company hired a rising agency to create a slogan to help sell their diamonds. The heart of that was they wanted Americans to feel a internal, like, psychological motivation to purchase the diamonds. And the slogan they come up with is, the greater the diamond, the greater the expression of love. Mm-hmm. So the bigger the diamond, it is fading a little bit, but we still see this with engagement rings. Like, there's so much emphasis on, like, oh. The, the bigger. Yeah, yeah. The bigger, oh, the more they must love you. And it's just, don't no, buy into that. Don't buy into that. <laughs> Um, In 1999, A Diamond is Forever, which is another slogan of theirs, was ranked the top slogan of the 20th century. So it just goes to show you. Really? Yeah. How Diamond is Forever. How pervasive Mm. and how well the company did in terms of really planting that seed in people. Now, interestingly enough, in the same year, 1999, the then De Beers chairman said, quote, Diamonds are intrinsically worthless, except for the deep psychological need they fill. Wow. That's interesting and probably very, very true. (laughs) You know, if De Beers had picked out something else, like a shiny pebble, if they could have made that go as far as the diamond, I don't know. Mm. I'm sure you could make anything that is intrinsically worthless feel valuable. It really does just come down to marketing. And doesn't it? Diamonds are... My girl's best friend. Yeah, that's how we look at it. Literally, they're songs. I mean, that's like they're the song that comes into your mind, isn't it? Yeah. Also, how ingrained is it in our culture that diamonds yeah. are a girl's best friend? So diamond mining can be quite destructive, both to the environment, but also to the workers and the community. I want to caveat by saying I'm not saying all diamond mining is bad, but all of it has an impact. And there have been many, many documented cases of egregious acts. One of them in Zimbabwe, where there are diamond mines, they found that the local communities were displaced. And this resulted in an escalation of violence towards women that were then either forced into the sex trade or assaulted. And this leads to unrest. In other areas, diamonds are sold to finance civil war for weaponry. And, you know, obviously, terrorizes local communities, tears communities apart, leads to an increase in sex trafficking and also child soldiers. So um, you diamond... Nothing good. Yeah, nothing nothing great there. There's also been a lot of instances of working conditions, including prevalence of child labor, below poverty wages, and really poor living conditions, which lead to the spread of diseases among those communities. So Wow. If you had that written in your Valentine's card when you opened your box, you might not be so excited about it. (laughs) And then in addition to the impact on the communities, there's several different ways you can mine diamonds. And again, it's not the same for every type of mine, but it can lead to soil erosion, deforestation, air pollution, water pollution, disruption of the local flora, fauna, native species, communities. Yeah. 
Not great. It's not great. Imagine, I just had like a moment in my head when you were talking about that. And I don't know if they do this in the US, but definitely in New Zealand, all cigarette packets have to be sold with images of cancerous tongues, tumours, horrific pictures that are designed to put you off from purchasing it because you know A plus B equals C. Wouldn't it be great if every product had the story of the negative impact on it. So I don't actually don't think it would be a good thing. And the reason I say that, no, is because people then become desensitized to it and just ignore it. So I think it's better to punctuate things every once in a while, like in a conversation or like mm. listening to Guilty Greeny, okay. as opposed to becoming numb to it. Yeah, maybe. Let's talk about options for... Mm. Diamonds and jewelry. So you can look for diamonds that are certified by the Kimberly process. Have you ever heard of this? No. What's the Kimberly process? Is that like a fake diamond-y making, like a man-made diamond? No. No. Okay. So the Kimberly process is a certification scheme that you can track the origin. It provides a certificate of origin from the diamond itself to guarantee uh, fair working conditions and conflict-free. It makes sure it comes from a conflict-free zone. Okay. Um, And- Say the name again, Kimberly. Kimberly process or Kimberly certificate. The other thing you can do is you can look for fair mine certification or fair trade. You can look for those. Right. And, you know, you can thrift. You can buy antique jewelry, jewelry that's already on the market that you're not contributing to the ongoing mining process. I love antique jewelry. Almost all my jewelry is antique. I love it. If Gareth listens to this episode, my husband, he's going to be like, yes, I've nailed it. He's never bought a diamond in his life because I proposed to him. Did you? Um, I did. And that's the thing about Valentine's Day as well. We're talking about gifts that are predominantly given to women, which also annoys me slightly. Unnecessary that we still have that gender imbalance and just putting it out there. Yeah. All right. Well, where do you want to go next? We got chocolate and flowers. Speaking of gifts. Let's go chocolate because, oh, I'm hungry. That's why. I love a bit of chocolate. (laughs) Don't tell me bad things about chocolate. We're going to kick off with a bit of history first yet again. So you know the heart-shaped boxes? Yes. Do you have them there? Well, I mean, yeah, you can buy heart-shaped boxes. But like the, you know, the red or pink ones that are ubiquitous at Valentine's Day? Yeah. They probably do, but again, I'm not in the market, so I don't notice them. But yeah, I'm sure people are screaming at their phone right now going, yeah, Sarah, they're everywhere. <laughs> She's just, she has her love blinders on. Um, <laughs> so that was first introduced in 1861, and today there are more than 36 million of those boxes sold. I believe that's only for the United States for Valentine's Day, and that works out to about 58 million pounds of chocolate. And I'm, oh, right. Okay. Because they've got chocolate in them. That makes sense. Why are they selling heart-shaped empty boxes? So you're talking about chocolate boxes with heart, yeah. in the shape of hearts. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you now. Slow, but I'm there. Clearly, I've never received one. I'm sorry. I just find this so funny that you were thinking I was just talking about empty heart-shaped boxes. <laughs> what are they doing? Just selling empty heart boxes. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. Okay, so clearly you haven't received one of You Americans, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire are the world's largest cocoa producers. They supply about 60% of the world's supply of, of cocoa. In 2015, the U.S. Labor Department estimated that there are more than 2 million children engaged in dangerous labor in the cocoa-growing regions. So 
So child labor has been a concern in cocoa production for a very, very long time with the top producers over the years saying that they are working to eradicate it from their supply chain, but it's proven not to happen yet. So... God. Okay. When you the, say it's proven not to happen, that there hasn't been any progress. So there has been some progress. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to say that there hasn't been any progress. There definitely has been some progress. But yeah, one of the problems is that companies still can't identify even close to 100 percent where their cocoa is coming from, and whether or not child labor was used to produce it. So that's been an issue. So is there anywhere that you can get chocolate that is authentically? Guilt-free in terms of not the calories, but, you know, <laughs> yes. the so, labor. Yeah, you can look for Fair Trade certified. You can look for Rainforest Alliance certified. The other thing is to shop at local chocolate stores and you can ask them. It's called Bean to Bar. They are more likely to know where their bean was actually grown and produced as opposed to just buying generic in a grocery store. Dark chocolate has a smaller environmental footprint than milk chocolate. So because cocoa production uses a lot of water, and then once you add milk into that, you have the environmental footprint of milk production as well. So dark chocolate is much more environmentally friendly. And the other thing to keep in mind is to try to avoid chocolate that has plastic wrap around it. Yes, the old foil wrappers. I feel like they're moving away from that in some of the brands that I see now in the UK supermarkets. And actually, Mm. I've just seen that Mars, this is not an advert for Mars, has just gone to its first full paper wrapper. That's incredible. Yeah. There you go. Well, let's uh I'll give you some thoughts on flowers. Choppity chop. Do you like it? Do you like getting flowers? I do like getting flowers. In fact, it was my birthday last week or so and my husband did get flowers for me, which was really sweet. Happy birthday. This Thanks. Is, this is the first time hearing about this. Well, I mean, I'm not a big birthday person. As you can <laughs> tell, I'm not into gifts or anything like that. But I'll tell you what was really sweet is he's away at the moment and he had phoned the florist to get these flowers and I had tulips in my bouquet when I was mm. married and for some reason he sometimes he just like hones in on a flower. I get flowers very rarely like it is an annual occurrence, biannual sometimes. But the florist had rung to say, look, I don't have that colour of tulip. Is it okay if I use these? And I said, well, I'm literally just outside the shop because I happened to be walking past going to meet a friend in a cafe beside it. And I said, oh, I'll just be next door. I'll nip in when I'm finished and come and pick them up. But he knew that I was next door. So this big flower bouquet gets delivered to my table at the cafe. Isn't that cute? I was on my birthday. That's straight from a Hallmark movie. I was. Um, But now you're going to destroy that and tell me how bad that was. So go. Um, You know, again, it's perspective and you know yeah i am i am gonna tell you how about it you're gonna <laughs> which is just yeah, gonna yeah. do that um mm-hmm. so the global it's not a flower that's native to the uk either i mean clearly they are from across the way yes but there's a Holland. there's a fun fact about that and by fun i mean not fun but i i'll give you that fact <laughs> in a second um so global flower production it's estimated to be around 64 billion euros That was in 2020. And Valentine's Day is the number one holiday for florist and floral purchasers. Christmas is second. Is it? Yeah, which I was trying to think of and I was thinking, were people buying like poinsettias or poinsettias, however you call them? 
And wreaths. I feel like it's more greenery. So on Valentine's Day, Americans spend around $2 billion, a little over $2 billion. Most of those are roses. I believe it's 69% are roses. Most of those flowers from the United States come from Colombia and Ecuador. That's second and third to the Netherlands. So the Netherlands is one of the largest producers. Colombia and Ecuador come in second. Last year, Colombia shipped around 4 billion flowers to the United States. It's a lot. Wow. I mean, and also you've got to think how much effort that takes to keep them fresh. That was my next point. So not, yeah, um, they're, yeah, they're not being delivered with their roots on in the soil. <laughs> not only are they being shipped, so you have the emissions cost of growing, but then you also have emissions from transportation. And part of that transportation also includes refrigeration. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So oh, no. Not, <gasps> not great. <sighs> the There was one stat, and I tried to find, like, what would be comparable, and I wasn't successful, but the carbon emissions associated with a cut flower is three kilograms of CO2 per flower. So it's actually quite high per flower. Per Um, flower? Yeah, per flower. Three kilograms of CO2 emissions per flower. Yeah. Um, If I could do maths, sitting down on my table right now is a crime scene. It's, oh my god! Yeah, it's quite high per flower. It's just—I actually feel physically sick. <laughs> They're in the house right now. I'm gonna have to dry them and bake them into goods. I mean, you could make your own little potpourri. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the UK. You would probably assume that getting flowers from the Netherlands is going to have less of an impact than getting flowers from Kenya. Safe to assume that. I am setting you up. (laughs) (laughs) Real poker player. I can see your tells. (laughs) In the Netherlands, they use a much more intensive farming method. So a lot of greenhouses, which are run off of fossil fuels. Whereas in Kenya, it's a much more natural. And that's not to say it's 100% natural or anything like that. Um, But perhaps using the natural resources like sunlight, which we don't get quite so much over here. Now, the other couple of things to keep in mind, though, is that when you're growing flowers on an industrial scale, it requires a lot of pesticides and other agrochemicals. It's both to grow and preserve them. So there was one paper that said exposure to chemicals like organophosphates can lead to multiple health problems, including cancers, mental health problems, and reproductive issues. Wow, that's the gift you don't want to give anyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bouquet full of poison. (laughs) Happy Valentine's. And by the way, enjoy your three-legged child. Now, to be fair, to be fair, this is mostly, you know, talking about the workers who don't always have appropriate PPE they're exposed to on a daily basis. There is like a lot of industries, issues with low wages, lack of health care or appropriate health care. Yeah. 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 Right, shit storm. Yeah. And then because it's so water intensive, depending on where it's grown, it can pull that water from local communities. And it also supplants what they would be growing for crops to a monocrop, such as the flowers. So it can lead to mm-hmm. malnutrition in certain areas. It can lead to lack of water to irrigate those other crops and so on and so forth. So super wow. fun. Super fun. Happy Valentine's, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy it. I'll give you some tips. Yeah, you need to pull this back into something that's not quite so depressing. This will be everybody's least favorite holiday. Go. (laughs) 
<laughs> I did see some stats and I didn't write them down. I wish I had about how many people actually get divorced or separated on Valentine's Day. <laughs> but I was like, really? that's, I was like, that's super depressing. I'm not going to I'm not going to bring that into the conversation. Oh, yeah. No, because you've been a real mood lightener today anyway. So <laughs> why? Why, throw why that stop there? there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sustainability tips. Look for organically certified. So we know yes. we're not using those chemicals. Look for fair trade. Again, support your local florist. Same with chocolate. You want to support local business, but they tend to know their product comes from as opposed to like a box store where they, they may mm-hmm. not – the employees may not know. You may need to do digging on your own. Try to find flowers that are wrapped in organic or biodegradable material, so not the plastic wrap. You want to find like a, a paper and, you know – brown string as opposed to that plastic cellophane. cellophane. Yeah. Yeah. And then another really good suggestion is to get a plant instead of flowers. So for instance, maybe an orchid or a succulent or cactus if they don't like to water things. If the person you're getting a gift for likes to cook, maybe something like a basil plant or rosemary plant, something that they can remember beyond a week. That is such a good idea. And if we were doing highs and lows, that would be my high. Yeah. Because of a low. He had had a, a loss in the family. So I saw, I'll send them something, you know, flowers. And I was conscious that I didn't want to do something wasteful. So I did. I sent them an actual planted pot that they can put in their garden as a little place mm. to remember or what have you. I like that. But it's just as meaningful as a bunch of flowers it's something that carries on and you can keep for longer as well yeah because that's the thing that does bug me about flowers you've just bought something to die well yeah and then let's talk about all the waste all those flowers all those cards all the wrapping all of that hopefully not the diamonds but all of it ends up in the landfill yeah not great not 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 great so yay for ending on a high note I think definitely if you're getting the bunch of flowers, you've already got them, put them into the green waste. Yeah. If you've got a green waste, green waste. at least. Yep. Yeah. I would like to have a little revolution. Okay. okay. A Valentine's revolution whereby we stop the commercialism. I mean, I'm 47 years into this pledge to be fair, uh, but if others want to join me to make it not so commercial and find other ways to demonstrate love for one another and there's so many ways you can do that acts of service give a little you know fake voucher for something experiences and also I just kind of feel like I want to strip back the fact that it it seems to be a one-way street a lot I think I think it's guys giving to girls yeah so we don't need that that's another kind of layer of embedded sexism in our culture that we just don't need to have and also please women if you are listening I am on a sexism rant You really rent are, like lately. I'm sorry. I'm so mad at the world about it all the time at the moment. Just, it seems to be springing up in my face. But, um, I'm so sick of seeing TV programs where women wait for the men to propose. Mm. That just pisses me off to no end. We, we don't need to be waiting. Ladies, take the bull by the horns. No, I agree with that. Sorry, no, rant over. You're good. So... 
bringing this back to <laughs> Valentine's Sorry. Day. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Experiences, act, you know, activities, home-cooked meals are actually less wasteful than going out to a restaurant on Valentine's Day. Plus, they're so overcrowded and you will pay out for a Valentine's Day menu and I feel like you don't get the best of the best from that restaurant because they're just, mm-hmm. you know. Churning them out. Yeah, exactly. Not to say restaurants are bad. On Valentine's Day, I'd say take the day to enjoy your partner instead of what I would call like buying your partner, if that makes sense. That sounds horrible. That's going to make a terrible sound bite. No, I think that that's very much the case, isn't it? But also I think make it clear to your partner that you don't want that, that they can do other things. In fact, keep their pesticide filled bouquets of flowers let's just be kind to each other and take it back to what it really should be it's a day to celebrate love yeah not buy it not buy it yeah that's a that's much better than saying don't buy your partner (laughs) okay well with that i hope everyone does have a wonderful valentine's day however you do choose to celebrate it whether that is with a loved one with family with friends by yourself (laughs) Loving yourself is important. But yeah, I hope everyone has a wonderful Valentine's Day. As you mentioned, we are coming back with season two eventually. Season two. You had to pause there. You were like, what? Numbers? (laughs) Yes. We're back on the numbers. In the meantime, if you would like to support Guilty Greenie, you can always share these episodes with family, friends colleagues a stranger on the street we don't mind or you can leave a review on apple podcast if you would like to financially support guilty greenie it is an independently produced podcast so any donations are truly appreciated so that we can produce faster essentially (laughs) you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash guilty greenie it would mean the world for us It'll keep us going. And also what will keep us going, if you want to send in your suggestions for any ideas that you would like covered on season three, we are open for hearing it all. Well, until then, stay curiously green. Check out more podcasts from Community Podcast Productions, like this one. I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And we have a, well, not so gently named podcast called Stop the Killing. Yep, there's a clue in the title. We need your help to end the global mass shooting epidemic. Find out how as we bring you the stories right from the source. If you would have told me that a Columbine could have happened at Columbine, I would have said no way. I remember just thinking, he's got a gun. Something rose up inside, and I said, not my school. What we can't underestimate is the power that individuals could have in stopping these school shootings. My little boy, Alex, was murdered. If we can fix the failures, we can save lives. My daughter, Elena, was killed. She'd want me to do something about this. I know she would do something about it. Join us and be part of the solution. Subscribe now to Stop the Killing podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen to your true crime podcasts. Hello and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book and together we summarize the story for you. 
We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!